Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, runners only. Yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runners only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady. Anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is runners only. Yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey. This is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Uh, fast paced, slow and steady, any way you coming. Uh, just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey, and I'm sitting in the Retirement Village unit with the legend himself, Arch Jelly, who's just gone away from the microphone. He's just finished a cup of tea. He's in the kitchen. He's coming back around. No rush, mate. No rush. Don't run. This guy is incredible. Uh, one of New Zealand's finest coaches ever. Uh, Ninety-nine years old. When do you turn? When do you turn one hundred, Arch Jelly? Uh, August, if I make it. What do you mean if you make it? Of course you're going to make it. <laughs> you, you're looking incredible. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, okay. I was um, thinking about about you on the drive in today and what you've been through. So you were born in Dunedin in 1922. You, you, your mum and dad, they made you after your dad returned from Gallipoli. That's correct. Um, then they, there was the Spanish flu, which they survived just before you came along. And then in your own lifetime, you went to World War Two. you lived through the Great Depression, and now the, the pandemic, the COVID pandemic. How has the COVID pandemic compared to all the other things you've been through? Well, it, it hasn't affected us uh to any extent, really, because we're in a fairly uh, uh, sheltered environment here in the village, mm. so it's uh, it's you know cut down a bit on social activities. But apart from that, it's you know we're okay. Yeah. Do you do you remember much about being eight years old during the Great Depression? I certainly do. Yeah. What do you remember from that? Well, uh, uh, my father had. Uh, uh, a struggling business, and there was no help from the government for people who lived in towns. Mm. And uh, but uh, we were, we, we didn't, uh, we we did. It was difficult for my mother to make ends meet, but uh, we didn't think we were deprived or anything like that. We just uh, were a pretty uh, uh, concerted family unit. And uh, how did how did you end up going to the? You went to the war, right? You went to World War Two. Uh, yes, I, I played a, a, a very minor role in war, World War Two. Uh, I was working at the, uh, when I was about 18, 17, 18, I was working in the survey department in Dunedin, and then uh, I think at 18 or 19 we were conscripted into the, uh, into the army. And, uh, and then uh, my friend and I, we decided to uh, apply for, uh, uh, to join the Navy. And... Uh, so we, we joined what was called uh, Scheme B, and that was uh, for people who uh, had uh, possibly the potential to become officers in the Navy. And, we, and so after a, uh, a further few months in the uh, Army, I received a call up from the Navy. Where were you sent to for World War II? We trained in England. Right. Was, um, geez, first of all, thank you for what you've done for our country. 
Well, no, as I said, I, I, I was, uh, uh, I trained for three months in England in the Navy, and mm. then I was an ordinary seaman, which is the uh, lowest form of animal life. <laughs> and uh, and then I was uh, uh, seconded to uh, a cruiser. I nearly said the Russian convoy. Better not say that now. Uh, I went on the Arctic convoy, and then uh, and we were very lucky. We were, we no, uh, we we went uh, via Iceland, picked up the convoy, and went up to uh, uh, the Kola Inlet, and. Uh, it was very bad weather in the in winter. This was November, December. Yes, and uh, we were ashore in Kola and uh, with all sorts of uh, cold uh, Arctic gear and all this sort of stuff. And then we came back and we were lucky again. And we uh, the, the weather was bad and overcast. And uh, the uh, uh, German U-boats and uh, uh, and planes were hardly sighted us, and uh, we got through. And so all the convoy did too. And then, uh, oh, if your uh, if your uh, conduct was considered okay, you were. I went to King Alfred at Brighton, and that was an officer's training corps. And I went there, and and then uh, uh, most of us, most of the New Zealanders, got through and were commissioned as acting, no temporary acting <laughs> sub lieutenants. And uh, then you had to say uh, what branch of the service you wanted to serve in. For some unusual reason, which I've never been able to fathom, uh, I opted for uh, the submarine service. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I would never do it now. Oh, why, why would you never do it now? Oh, because it's too hazardous, really. Even, yeah. even in peacetime, you know, boats get sunk and that sort of thing. And then I was sent up north, up uh, north of Newcastle to Blyth and, uh, and did the... Uh, Submarine course there, and then then I was then I was on coastal submarines for the rest of the war. Going even going in a submarine is something that most of us will never get to experience in our lives. What's it What's it like being on a su- submarine? How long are you under the water for? Do you get claustrophobic? Well, when you're on a submarine, uh, we just thought we were very privileged, more or less, and mm. we never sort of you don't think of the day you're just sort of doing your job. I was the uh, uh, either the navigator or the uh, gunnery officer. Yeah, wow. So ha- what was the longest period of time that you were, like, submerged under the water in a submarine? Well, the British uh, uh, submarines didn't have snorkels, so, so they, could only, uh, was only, they could only stay under for a limited time. Oh, okay. Mm. For a young man from New Zealand, in a perverse way, did it sort of feel like a sense of adventure? We, we never really – you just thought about doing the job, really, and you mm. sort of enjoyed it, but you didn't – you never sort of realised, you know, the danger of it or anything like that. And um, so then you, you come back to New Zealand post-war. Is, is that when you started running? No, uh, I started uh, running at a very, very early age. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we used to uh, – we lived about uh, three-quarters of a mile from the school, and uh, we used to r- – a walk or run up to school. And at lunch hour, we used to run back and have dinner, and then then run back. And uh, so uh, I was always a bit, a bit of a uh, you know a, a runner. And uh, when I joined the survey department, I, I I was in the Methodist church and the Bible class. And someone said, "Why don't you come and run in the uh, uh, in the uh, Harrier Bible class uh, run?" So I said, "Oh well, I, I will." So. Uh, I did, and I won this race, you see, and even though I hadn't done any training, but 
Uh, when I used to uh, go down to work, I, if I missed a cable car, I'd often run down to work and you know beat the cable car, and that's all. Really, that's all the training I'd done. And so from that point on, I became a, a runner at the junior level, and I had a bit of success. And uh, and then I uh, and then I was uh, you know in the, in the army and in the navy. And when I when I got back uh, from the war, I came back with my elder brother who was in the uh, fleet era. We met the we we arrived in uh, I think it was Christchurch first and uh, the, uh, we're talking to this young fellow and he, he he seemed to know a fair bit about our family and uh, uh, I said to my older brother uh, who is this uh, young fellow that you know knows all about our family and uh, my brother said. Uh, Jesus Christ, Arch, that's your brother Stan. <laughs> he was only a, a small schoolboy when I went away, and he's sort of an, an adult. All I right. didn't recognise him. Yeah. When I got back, I rejoined the Mornington Harrier Club. I was never a, a coach, but I was a sort of a, uh, an organiser. And I think uh, being in the Navy in a commissioned uh, uh, capacity... I was more confident than I'd been, right. and so I I organised the club and uh, and the runners in the club, and we had uh, we worked out what we what we called locality training, and uh, that was uh, at all different parts of Dunedin. Uh, the guys in our club did this special training that I set out, and we uh, and even though we were a fairly uh, Week club, we, we we won quite a few team races, right. that sort of thing, and that's yeah. that's when I sort of started, sort of coaching, not exactly. Yeah. Now, there's, um, I mean, your your coaching career is absolutely incredible, and we we're definitely getting to that soon. Um, but first of all, I want to clear up a rumor that I heard about you. I heard that you were you were a very good runner yourself, and yeah, you, reasonable. Well, well, this may be true, or this may not be true, but you can clarify this. But I heard that you could have potentially made it to the Commonwealth Games or Empire Games as they were called then, but instead you went to Australia to chase a lady. Oh, there's a bit of truth in that. <laughs> yes, I, I did go over to uh, Australia and, uh, and came back uh, uh, empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> I see you uh, but but I, really, uh, I really wasn't uh, uh, in the shape to qualify, uh, right. for, uh, unless I'd put in a lot of training over the summer, I hadn't done that. I right. was a, a sole charge teacher in the country. Yeah, Jeez, I'm, well, I'm guessing was this pre-aviation, so you would have had to get the. Did you get the boat to Australia? Flying boat. A, fl- a flying boat. Yeah, yeah. What's that? What's a flying boat? Oh, you know, the, the lands on the water on floats. Wow. Mm. For an international flight, I've seen I've seen yeah. them before. I've been in one. Like That's a, right. a, this was a big one. Yeah, yeah, quite big. Jeez, so how much? Can you remember how much it cost? I'm guessing air travel was. Wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, not a good investment though. You, you didn't get the girl. <laughs> so, um, okay, oh, just as well actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everything works out for a reason, doesn't it? So then you you come back and you start coaching, and um, the, this is before high performance sport New Zealand. So there's no money in it. This is just a. It's just no. Well, I, I was in the country then, uh, uh, in a soul charge school. When I was in Dunedin, I. Uh, Applied for a job, uh, uh, the nearest soul charge school to Dunedin, uh, and I finished up uh, fifty miles from Wanganui on a sheep farm, and then, and then I ran for the uh, Martin Club, 
no, I didn't do any coaching in that club, really. Yeah. So yes, you're like a career principal through your life. That's how you. That's how you made your bread and butter. Um, and, but you just so you just did, sort of did coaching just sort of for fun, or just because you sort of. Oh, with well, your, it, was, you, it was just uh, quite good at it. Uh, just my hobby, really. I just yeah. like, like doing it. Right. So when um when did you and John Walker meet? When, when, when did that happen? Uh, well, I, then I, <coughs> I was in Wellington for about five years, and then I came to, uh, uh, I came to Auckland mm-hmm. in uh, 57, on, uh, January 57, and, uh, and I, I think in 59 I joined up with Oaraka Club. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and when I joined up there, I was, uh, uh, I'd always been, a, you know, uh, either the club champion or, or uh, just about the club champion. And I, fa- I found that... Uh, I wasn't even in the top six in Oraka. Wow. Who, who, was, who was ahead of you? Can you remember the oh, names? Yes, there's one or two names you might have heard before, <laughs> like Peter Snell and Murray Helberg, Ray Puckett, Jeff Julian, etc. <laughs> so did you, did, you, did you meet Arthur Lydiard at that time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. We never discussed running at any stage. Is that so? No, never. Why not? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. No. Well, he, Arthur and I were fairly different types. Really. Right. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, well, I didn't start coaching. But I could see though that uh, Arthur's methods were you know were very very good mm-hmm. and uh, basically. So uh, uh, I took you know careful note of this, and I did think at one stage it might be a bit uh, bumptious, but I thought, well, uh, if a guy like Arthur can do it, I'm pretty sure I can too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so I was. Uh, uh, or the club captain and the handicapper and goodness knows what, and I was all—I uh, was the organizer of the uh, Oraka cross country races over at uh, Hobsonville. That was about oh, probably about nineteen, uh, probably 19, about nineteen seventy or sixty-nine, something like that. Then right after the, uh, one of the junior races, this uh, tall, lanky chap came up to me and he said, uh, "My name's John Walker." I said, "Oh yeah." He said, oh, I got beaten today. I said, well, and that's what most people get beaten. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, that's the first time I've ever been beaten in a cross-country race. I said, oh, right. I said, well, the, the chap that beat you, it was a chap called uh, McRae. I said, he does, he's trained by uh, Don McFarquhar and he's running about 90 miles a week. Wow. And I said, you know, how much, how much uh, you know, what sort of training do you do? And he said, well... I don't do any training. I just race on Saturdays. <laughs> so I gave yes, him. So how, how old was John at the time? He'd be about eighteen. Right. So you were his. You were his first coach. Uh, Did he have any coaching before that, or was it just sort of? Race? Oh well, so I gave him a, a six-week schedule. Yeah. And uh, and he won the uh, Auckland Junior Cross Country. Wow. Then he went down to uh, Paraparam for the national lead for the first mile. Then blew up. <laughs> And uh, I think, I, yeah, I continued coaching him, but then I, I remember at one stage somebody uh, from, uh, I think it was one of the journalists rang me, and they said, Are you, uh, do you still coach John? I said, oh, I think so. And he said, well, <laughs> he said, well uh, so-and-so says that he is. And I said, oh, well, if, if he's been coached by someone else, I'll pull out. So I pulled out. Oh. And uh, then later on, John uh, ran in the... Uh, uh, when he turned senior, I think it was 19 then senior, he ran in the New Zealand uh, uh, Championships, 800 metres, and uh, he made the final but finished last in the final. And then uh, in about, uh, what year would it be? 
probably in about August or September 1971, uh, he uh, approached me and said, would I... Uh, you know, coach him properly. Back on the, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Was it was he, was it a sort of a case of um, eating a bit of humble pie? Oh, I don't know. Did you? Uh, I'm not sure. I never, I never looked at it like that. <laughs> Didn't you? No. Uh, but uh, like Graham Douglas, my old friend from Menor, he said that my reaction to that was that uh, I said uh, oh, I'll consider it, but I don't know if that's true, really. Yeah. But, but I, uh, I said uh, I would, and uh, uh, and then he. Uh, he, he said uh, he had always John had always been a bit of a, uh, I won't say larrikin, but he was you know really one of the boys. And uh, he he said I'm you know prepared to train, do everything possible to get the best out of myself. So uh, he started training, and uh, and he, he I thought he was okay. I, d- I had no idea that he'd possibly be uh, uh, a world beater, anything like that. Is that right? So not not a huge amount of natural talent, would you say? You know, you get you get these very promising guys, and uh, they're, they're good, but you know they're never going to be world beaters. Mm. And then uh, uh, on the uh, January the first, nineteen seventy-two, he uh, he was down at Taronga watching. Right, he'd done his training uh, in the morning, and he was down there watching. And they said, "Why don't you run against Dick Quacks in the eight hundred? And he and John said, "Oh well, you know." I've, uh, I've had my training and I haven't got my gear. At any rate, they talked him into it and gave him some borrowed gear and he ran and uh, and he beat Dick and uh, he uh, uh, did a PB. And of course, it's uh, in fairness to Dick, of course, that's not Dick was the top uh, runner in New Zealand at the time, yeah. but uh, that's not Dick's distance at right. all. So, but I was pretty impressed and uh, I wrote to the. Uh, uh, New Zealand selectors and said, uh, "I've got a. We've got a guy up here. Uh, he's big. His name's John Walker. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. And uh, and I think he's got the uh, potential to erase the name of Peter Snell from the record book." That's a big call. Yeah, it's a big call. You were that confident. Yep. Yeah. 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 And uh, and I sent the letter to the. Uh, I think it's called the Evening Post in Wellington. And, uh, and the Dominion, I, maybe the Dominion, or no? Uh, maybe no. an Evening Post. Yeah, I think it was called, it was the sports paper. Generally, I, I I won the prize for the best letter of the of the week, and they sent me a uh, Art Union ticket, which of course didn't win. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a what? Sorry, a, they called it an Art Union ticket. Art Union, what's that? Art, like a lotto ticket. Okay, was this pre Golden Kiwi? I vaguely yeah. remember the Golden Kiwi. Yeah. Okay, wow, yeah. Art Union. Yeah. So, uh, and then John went on to. Uh, uh, he went he went to Hamilton for New Zealand champs and uh, and won the uh, eight hundred easily. After that, he did a trial for the uh, Olympic uh, for the Olympics for the seventy two Olympics. And uh, who was it beat him? Uh, Skip Hunter, the uh, you know all black winger. Really? All, yeah, he was also a New Zealand eight hundred meter champion, a very good runner. And and wow. John ran a very uh, poor tactical race, and uh, and he beat him. So neither of them went to the Olympics. That's a that's a wow! I, th- thank you so much for the history lesson today, Skip Hunter. I've, I mean, th- I think that's Skip my was his name. Yeah, yeah. Hunter, yeah. And All Black, that's um, competitive, you know, top level eight hundred meter runner. Oh, he, was, he, was, he was an excellent runner. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you could believe a, a, an All Black would be a good sprinter. Like, uh, you know, there's been some particularly fast wingers mm. over the years, but eight hundred meters—that's a tricky distance. Yeah, he was a good sprinter too. Yeah. So okay, so what happened between 
1972 when John missed out on the Olympics, and 1976, where we're going to get to this soon. This yeah, is well, uh, John was uh, selected. For, uh, I'm not sure what the title was, but they went up. Uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly where the venue was, but they went up, and uh, I suppose it'd be 73. John was uh, selected to run in the uh, B grade mile. And he was uh, a bit insulted by that. He thought he should be in the A grade with, with uh, you know Dixon and Quacks and that sort of thing, and uh, and he ma- and he made some rather uh, oh he he made a few remarks which uh, Quacks didn't like, and uh, and uh, and Dick. Uh, oh, what like? Can you remember what they were? No, no. But I can remember what Dick said. Well, yeah. What did Dick say? Dick said, uh, "Walker, you'll never make a runner's asshole." <laughs> <laughs> And and so John ran in the B grade and and ran ran a sub ran about three forty eight uh, uh, and it hadn't really run a mile seriously before and uh, but but then after that Dick uh, uh, in particular and Rod they were very very good to John and they took him on this uh, uh, tour of Europe and that was nineteen seventy three and uh, uh, and they, of course they were. Uh, a fairly big mileage man, and they handled it quite well. And and John was uh, found it very very difficult. But without uh, uh, Dick's help, he would never have got into the races mm. at all. But he he had no uh, uh, credentials really. Mm. So um, he, you know, we're very grateful for Dick for what he did for John. Mm. And John, uh, he did. Uh, I'm not sure if he won many races, but he 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 brought his times down, and he he ran uh, three thirty eight for fifteen hundred meters. So, which was you know not great, but I mean, uh, oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, it was, it was a long way out, out yeah. of the, the top. So uh, he came back to New Zealand absolutely exhausted. <laughs> but it would have been a good experience, right? Oh, Just yeah. made him faster absolutely. and stronger. Yeah. yeah. So at, at that point, were you were you also coaching um, Dick Quacks and Rod? No, 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 no. I've never coached Dick Quack. Rod Dixon, though, you co- you coached. Oh, him not really. Right. I I helped him for a while, but his his real coach was his brother John, right. who did okay. a great job. Yeah, let's go to the um, nineteen seventy six Montreal um, Olympics. What uh, about you're going to miss seventy four? Oh, what's seventy four? <laughs> Commonwealth Games. Oh, Com Games. Yeah. Okay, so the nineteen seventy four Commonwealth Games. Where, where, where were they? Christchurch. Christchurch, the Christchurch one, yeah. that's right. Oh, when uh, uh, John was running all right, he'd done, done some good training, and uh, he, uh, uh, I wanted him selected in the 800 and 1500, and uh, Arthur Lydiard said, no, that's a mistake, he should just concentrate it on the 800, because uh, the top uh, 1500 metre runners were uh, Rod, Rod Dixon, who was you know, third at Munich, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Tony Powell, I guess. Right. And but John had won the uh, New Zealand title, but then then he was, got beaten by Rod Dixon in the in the uh, fifteen hundred mile just before. So uh, and then we we came to the games and he was selected in both. So uh, uh, I wasn't in Christchurch, but uh, John was, and uh, and he was running. I think it was uh, about a week before his race. He was had to run the four hundred meters, and he he ran like a dog. <laughs> and, uh, and he ran about 49 instead of about 48. And, uh, and then I found out that he'd been uh, more or less, you know, sleeping in the sun most of the day, you know, and he was pretty, pretty tired. Uh, so they started to write him off completely, so I thought I'd better go down. So I went down uh, to uh, Christchurch 
and put him over a 600 metres a time trial and uh, and he did a really good time. And I said to him, you know, you're, you're OK. You're. So then he ran the uh, 800 uh, and he made the final and then he ran uh, third in the final and wow. won... which was, you know, the second best time ever. Yeah. Uh, His PB easily. And then he ran the, uh, then he ran the the fantastic uh, 1500 race where Philbert broke the world record. John did too, but John was second. In that race. Amazing. In that race went to, I think the, uh, the day before or, or two days before, John, uh, I took him out of the village and he stayed with me at my brother's place in Christchurch. And we had a game of cricket uh, one morning and uh, just it wasn't a day or two before the race. And uh, and John was batted for a long time and, uh, and the bat was only uh, a foot long and, and he had to crouch down and, and when he... Woke up the next day, he was pretty stiff. <laughs> and uh, so I said, well, well, we'll go for a run. So I went for a run and uh, and somebody said, uh, who do you think you guys are, Olympians? <laughs> if only they knew. Yeah. If only they knew. Yeah. Why did you, why did you pull him out of the village and uh, take him to your brother's house? Uh, I just wanted to, you know... Keep an eye. Did, yeah, was he was he like that? Did he need did he need someone to keep an eye on him? No, no, no not at all. No. no, no, he was very, very good. Yeah. And uh, we discussed the race plan, and uh, uh, we thought Jip Joe would be the, the toughest competition. And uh, we didn't discount uh, Philbert, but uh, in every other race, uh, like Philbert's best time was 3.34, John's best time was 3.38, so he was nowhere near, you know, no, nowhere near the others in time. And uh, but Philbert and every race he'd gone, he went out hard and then blew up, and and we thought he'd do that, but of course he didn't. <laughs> and John took about six seconds off his PB, so it was a phenomenal run. Jeez, that must have been exciting for you as for, for him, obviously, but for you as the coach. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I was. Uh, they always called me the calm coach because I didn't get you know too excited about things. But on this occasion, apparently, I was. Uh, I was with my brother and we were watching and we, we saw that, uh, you know, John just got beaten and we were, I was a bit disappointed. Mm, mm. Uh, but then I looked at my watch and I saw 3.32 and apparently I jumped up on my seat and yelled out to everybody, it's a world record, it's a world record. And so it was, you know, really exciting. It was a fantastic race by Philman, but it was by John too. Yeah. Now, so I, I was um I was born in seventy three, so I, I I I'm too young to remember those Commonwealth Games, but mm. I do remember like growing up through the through the nineteen seventies and John John Walker being one of my heroes. Like he was on the mm. fresh up ads and he had that long hair and he was very <laughs> very good looking. After the seventy four Commonwealth Games, did he become like a like a nationwide hero? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but. Uh, then in '75, he, uh, uh, I didn't, I didn't go away with him, but he was with uh, you know Rod and and Dick, and uh, he was running very well over 1500, and uh, then he decided to uh, uh, that he could you know he could have a go at the world mile record, and he went to Gothenburg. He uh, that's when he uh, did that tremendous run when he he broke like he was there was somebody with him for the first part, but it, mainly he was just on his own. And uh, he ran first sub uh, three fifty mile and three forty nine four, and 
Well, with someone pacing him like they do nowadays, yes. he'd have run about 45 or 46, I guarantee. You reckon? Oh, yeah. yeah. He'd run 346, yeah. Man, that's quite... So uh, yeah, that uh, run sort of changed his life. Mm. Everybody wanted him. Really? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like in, in what way? In terms of like endorsements and uh, oh, money they, they or just running. celebrity? Right. Yeah. Amazing. Did it change your life? Oh, my life didn't change too much. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, you know, uh, principal of a school and that sort of thing. That was my main job. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing that you managed to juggle both. Like that's un, that would be unheard of these days for a, a, a top yeah. level coach. Do you, do well, what, what about uh, James Mortimer? Is doing fairly well, though, isn't he? The sprint coach. Yeah, he's doing a full time job. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And then, so the Olympic Games at Montreal in '76. Did you, 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 you were over there? You went over? Yeah, I was uh, selected as the team coach. Okay. Yeah. Uh, during his build up, he uh, he had a bit of a problem, and, and it was it, it it you know turned out to be a severe problem the next year. And he was a bit lucky that he, he got away with the uh, uh, with the Olympics. Some of us went away. There was uh, uh, Rod Dixon, Dick Quakes, Anne Dane, and uh, oh, quite, quite a bit. And I was sent with him. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Beforehand, over to Scandinavia, and we... Uh, had, had quite a few meets there, and uh, one of the uh, highlight there was when uh, John uh, ran the uh, two thousand meters, and uh, and he broke uh, Michael Jarzy's record by about four seconds, I think. Can you remember the time for two k? Four fifty one four, I think. <laughs> My God, yeah, that's yeah, fast. Yeah, and of course it's much faster now, but it was yeah, it, yeah. that that record lasted for uh, ten years, yeah. and then. Uh, Cram broke it by one-tenth of a second. But, of course, it's much faster now with El Garouche. So that was uh, pre-Olympics. Yeah. And uh, and then we went on to uh, Montreal. Mm. So w- how confident were you and John going to Montreal? Like, were you thinking, the, 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 this, this is ours to lose? Oh, well, it, it's very difficult when you're the favourite. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, you know, <laughs> it's... Uh, you, you you think you can win, but I mean you're never quite sure at the Olympics because mm. anybody can you know come up and and do it. And like uh, you've got uh, you know you've got one chance in in uh, uh, you, and on one particular day every every four years you've got to be absolutely at your peak to do it. Yeah. So you you've got to you've got to have a bit of luck as well. Yeah, but and what well, he he had luck that day, didn't he? It was phenomenal. Uh, yes, yeah, he did, but uh, he things went went well. But I mean, it was uh, uh, you know during the race, it, it looked as if uh, like uh, it, it looked as if 
he was in trouble because the the first eight hundred meters was so so slow, mm. and they had we had in the field there were uh, three people who had broken one forty four. You know there was you know Van Dam and Walhuter and someone else I think uh, they were one forty three man and John was really just a one forty five eight hundred right. meter runner. So uh, it, it looks it was made for them, but uh, but John did the job. Yeah, how did you celebrate afterwards? Oh, we just had an ordinary celebration. We yeah. were very, very pleased. It was, uh, I think, to John, he was terribly pleased, but a bit of, quite relieved too. Yeah, right. Yeah, geez, that much. Pre- How did he cope with the pressure? Did he cope with the pressure? Okay. Oh, oh, he's very good like yeah. that. He, uh, like in the eight hundred meters, he uh, he was knocked out. I was never, I, I never wanted him to compete in the, in both finals. Mm. And um, he didn't try and get beaten in the 800, but he was just out, out kicked. Why, why didn't you want him to be in both finals? Did, did you because think? I wanted to win one of them. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which final would have been first? Uh, the 800? Uh, yes. So that would have tired him out for the 1500. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, he got knocked out of the 800 and, and people started to write him off. And uh, uh, at any rate, he said uh, that he was uh, – he wasn't really uh, – uh, wor- disappointed about being knocked out of the uh, 800 metres, but he was uh, a bit disappointed in, in something else. And they said, what's that? He said, well, last night, he said, I was beaten at snooker by my coach for the first time. <laughs> and he was a much better player than I was. So, uh, so that, But I remember the, uh, I roomed with John at, at Montreal. and uh, Wait, you're, you're kidding? Mm? Is that you didn't have your own rooms? You were sharing rooms. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was, that, share, was that common? Where, oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. If you share a room with uh, with uh, someone like John, it means that you've got one eight and he's got seven eights. Right. right. What, what, do you, what do you mean? Oh, he's, he, most of his gears all strewn all over the floor. <laughs> what, 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 what sort of what sort of gear? Uh, like I'm, I'm I'm just picturing him with a, a pair of racing no, pants, and, shorts, and, and a singlet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but they've got lots of. Yeah, lots of singers, lots of shoes and all that sort of thing. Then right. Right, on the day of the race, I remember saying to John, well, look, I said, you know, we've done everything and uh, what we want to do now is just uh, lie down and have a bit of a uh, snooze. So we lay down and I set my alarm clock and we both slept for about two hours and we got up and then started to, you know, get ready for the, to do oh, the job. What an amazing partnership, an amazing relationship. So you, you say, okay, we're going to sleep now and then, yeah, yeah, yeah and you just have a nap. Yeah. But he, he uh, was uh, had a very very he's like Peter Snell temperament wise, yeah, a very very good temperament. Yeah, and uh, he uh, knew what to do. Yeah, uh, would you would you say it was um just a, a coach athlete relationship or definitely more of a friendship? Oh, a friendship, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you still in touch these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be seeing him next week. Well, how is, how is he? Oh well, you know he's he's. Not too bad, but I mean, you know, he's got Parkinson's and, you know, it's yeah. a difficult thing. It's That's a difficult rough. thing. It's very rough. Yeah, I've got so many memories of him growing up. Like, I, I remember watching on TV when he did his um, 100th sub-formative mile. Oh, yeah. Were you still his coach then? Were you were you the only coach he ever had? I only coached him for about 20 years. <laughs> so you, you you met him when he was 18, so... Yeah, but then there was a bit of a, I didn't, then there was a, bit of a gap. Yeah. And then I started coaching him when he was uh, 20. Right, right. So, so his whole competitive career, you were you were his, his, his 
coach more just or less. about yeah that's just a, about. it's incredible it's incredible it's one of the I think it's one of New Zealand's finest um, coach athlete relationships ever that doesn't get the he was very it uh, a very loyal person was he yeah and uh, but he was a, a very good uh, judge of his own fitness himself he knew when he was right and when he wasn't right you know he's very good mm. he didn't he never you know kidded himself yeah oh, it's amazing what you guys did together phenomenal I think I think about the only Two times he was late for training was when he got involved in uh, traffic accidents. Right. And but no, he was a fantastic person to train. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you retired from coaching in in two thousand. So after John, who who were you who were you coaching up until two thousand? Oh, I was going to you know uh, quite a variety of people. Yeah. That yeah. Thing, but in the in the finish, I decided to call today. So you would have been in your like, mid to late 70s then in 2000. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did you why why did you retire from coaching then? My uh, first wife Rachel died in 2000 and uh, so you know okay. uh, I think that was probably the reason probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. So she um yeah, you guys got married in uh 53? Yes. 53, yeah. 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 Oh. That yeah. I'm so I'm sorry about that. And then um and then you, you remarried a couple of years later to the lovely Jean, who's just doing some washing at the moment. <laughs> um, I, I believe, so her husband died, died the same Yeah, the same her year husband, David, uh, the four of us used to go away on uh, uh, trips to uh, bridge tournaments because I became a bit obsessive about bridge. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, that the, is that the sort of person you are? Like, whatever you do, you, you get oh, quite I'd obsessive. Like to have a real go at it. Yeah, yeah right, right, yeah. good for you. At any rate, uh, uh, Rachel... Uh, uh, wasn't a bridge player, and David was a terrible bridge player, and uh, they used to, Gene uh, and I used to uh, play in the tournaments, and they used to fossick around second-hand shops and, all, uh, you know, art dealers and all this sort of stuff, and, uh, you know, they both died in, uh, within six months of each other in mm. 2000. Right, so you, so you and you and Gene just sort of, were you, were you sort of bonded together, do you oh, think, by know, your grief? Know, the four of us have known each other for a long time, yeah, right, over ten, yeah. a decade. Right. So was it just like a natural sort of thing? It's like, well, you know, we should we should get married. Probably. Yeah. Jean might be able to describe it better. Where is she? Are you there, Jean? She's hiding. Do you want to come and tell the story about how you guys got together? Jean, you're needed. <laughs> Pull up a pull up a seat. We're just talking about how how you guys got together after your after your first marriages. So this man here, your your second husband, Arch Jelly, ninety nine years old, doesn't strike me as being a, a particularly romantic sort of person. No, he's not. So <laughs> he's definitely not. So so how how did how did he woo you? Obviously, you, you sort of both brought together by 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 a bit of grief, I guess, after the death of your your first partners, and then um, how did he win you over after that? Get in nice and quiet. Well, there was there was not not much choice really because uh, we were we were playing bridge together. Not used yeah, to nice, it. Nice, nice. Get, get a little bit closer, yeah. Well, lean lean into it. You so you're playing bridge together. Yes, and that's all. We were, we didn't we didn't do anything else together, did we? How so? How, how did he propose? How did that happen? Did he, he's like quite a sprightly thing. Did he get down well, on I one don't knee? No, well, he. I was taking. The, I was in the car taking him back home to his house. He's, he's he's just bossing bossing her into the microphone. I know. Yes, he's very bossy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I, he, he was in the car, and he didn't get out. And I thought, why doesn't he move? Why doesn't he get out of the car? And so I said, "You're going to go?" He said, 
Well, he said, do you think I should move into Pinesong? <laughs> he moved in with, and with, without, re, without saying he was going to get married. <laughs> <laughs> right, so he just sort of invited himself in. Yes, yes, that's right. And um, how did you feel about it? I, I suppose you were both lonely at the time, so it must have been nice to have, some, have a, a it companion. Was nice, it was nice to have a companionship. We, we did a lot of things together. We went travelling, we went to England, we went to Australia. So we did a lot of things together after that. Yeah, and it's uh, how old are you? Can I ask? Is that I'm, a, I'm I'm ten years younger than Arch. Oh, younger woman, eh? Younger woman. Yeah. Oh, my first husband said he married child. He made a child bride. He said. Yeah. That was my first husband. So, did, so did you two? Um, when you used to go on bridge tournaments with your with your first partners, did did, did you guys ever sort of think? Did it ever cross your mind like, oh, he's a bit of all right, or oh, she's a bit of all right? No, I never thought that. You never thought romantically. <laughs> no. What about, what about you, Arch? Did you ever? No, there was no spark or anything like that at that stage. Right, right. Oh, what a wonderful story. I'm so pleased you both found each other. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. So, so I believe you got married and you, you, didn't even, you didn't tell your kids or anything. No. No, he, it, was his, it was his 80th birthday and his, his daughter gave a little party. And during the party, he, he spoke and he said... Uh, I have to tell you that Jean and I got married yesterday. <laughs> Is that how it happened? Anything you want to you want to chip in with? Well, uh, I was still living uh, in La Beta Avenue in Mount Albert, and uh, Jean and I decided to get married, and uh, we didn't. You mean you decided to get married? <laughs> well, you didn't uh, say no, <laughs> and uh, and we told we told our family that we we were getting married, but but uh, we didn't say when. Right. So uh, we got married next door uh, at Evelyn Haynes's place, and uh, uh, Joe McManaman, who's a, a famous coach, and uh, he uh, he came and uh, married us, and that was uh, a, f- a few days before my 80th birthday. Yeah, a few days before, right? Oh, I'm I'm so pleased you found each other. Uh, I mean, it's. A, yeah, you, 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 I think you've, you've both been very lucky, haven't you? You've both you've both been uh, married twice, and you've, they've both been very successful partnerships. Yeah. So, okay, so you you retired um, when you were seventy eight in two thousand. Um, what was that to focus on bridge and bowls? No, I I hadn't started bowls then. I hadn't yet. No. Okay, so, no. You, so you retired then, and then you you came out of retirement in two thousand and seven. Why did you come out? Of, oh, yeah, but I started uh, playing bowls when I was about eighty. Okay. I got very keen on bowls too. <laughs> Being a, it doesn't surprise me. Obsessive character, and uh, uh, we sat and uh, in bowls. If you're uh, for the first five years, uh, so I'd never bowled before, and my sister came up to stay with us, and she was a, a Targa champion at bowls. She's uh, uh, and she said, "Do you want to learn to play bowls?" And uh, and we said, "Oh, I suppose so." You know, we thought it was a, an old man's game. <laughs> So we learned. Well, how old were you at the time? You were like eighty. Yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> too young, you're too young for bowls. Yeah. So we learned. We learned down here, you see, and then right. uh, and then after we played a wee bit, we, we thought, well, we better uh, join the Block S Bay Club. So we joined the Block S Bay Club, and uh, and then we were bowling just about every second day, and uh, and we entered for the uh, uh, Auckland Triples Junior Championship. Uh, with uh, Alan Smith, who's up here, and we won it. And uh, and then a couple of years after, I uh, I won it again with two other people. And uh, but I was, I think, the last year I won it, I won the Auckland Junior Triples Championship. Uh, I was eighty five, I think, 
which is a fairly old age for a junior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, it seems like whatever whatever you whatever you decide to do it becomes like an obsession. Fair? Yeah. yeah there's a fair yeah. bit of truth in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God, he must drive you bonkers sometimes. <laughs> so, so you came out of retirement as a coach in two thousand and seven. What, what was it? What was the trigger for that? Why did you? Oh well, to... this uh, a lady uh, rang me up and said that she had a, a promising runner and uh, she wanted him coached by someone who uh, knew what he was doing and could tell him why he was doing it, and he wasn't too uh, authoritative. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how uh, and I uh, agreed, and that's how I started coaching uh, Hamish Carson. Right, right. And how, how did he? How, what was what's, what's been his peak? Is he still running? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How's he getting on? Is he good? Oh, he, he went to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, when he first started uh, when I first started coaching him, he he used to get trouble with stitch and that sort of thing, and it took a long time to sort of sort that out. And then he won uh, about. I think he won about six, five or six New Zealand titles at mm. 1500. Yeah. And uh, and then he, uh, uh, we got him to the Olympics, uh, the Rio Olympics. He he didn't uh, qualify for the final, but he made it. And yeah. uh, he's, he's done quite well. That's brilliant. That must be um, the, the world record for the uh, biggest age gap between coach and athlete. Surely, mm. surely. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be up there, and then then you retired again in uh, twenty eighteen. So you've been retired for four years now. Yeah, well, ha- Hamish is uh, in a uh, a group with a, uh, over in Europe now, mm-hmm. and he's still he's still running fairly well. He, he yeah. qualified for the world uh, indoor champs, and but then he he got COVID just before the champs, oh, and he couldn't run. Yeah, but he's still running pretty well, and we we keep in touch. Yeah. Seems like you still keep an eye on athletics, and you oh, haven't you? Yeah, you love it. It's just yeah. so it's just part of your DNA. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of um, the? Te- I mean, you've seen so much change in your in your life. Like, what do you think of the technology now? Like, um, the information I've got on this watch I'm wearing now is probably more scientific data than what. Oh uh, yeah, you- well, I mean, uh, the same with. I mean, I, all Hamish's stuff comes up in here now. Right. And, uh, oh, does it? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, so his um his training stats and his performances they they come up on your watch through Strava. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's been a huge change in that in communication. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How have you coped? Because I, I think like a lot of um. A lot of people, when they they reach their advanced years, they just they 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 they, they cut it off and they stop learning new stuff. Or, oh uh, no, I mean, I've always been a gadget man. Yeah, have you? Yeah, I'm just trying to think of like Dunedin in 1922 oh. uh, versus you know Auckland uh, or Dunedin or anywhere for that matter in um, the year 2022. Like the amount of change that you've seen in that oh, time. Yeah, I remember when I was five and uh, and we were uh, cutting our lawn at the back and uh, we didn't have a lawnmower. And uh, and my elder brother, he was two years older than me, he was using hedge clippers and I was using a pair of scissors. And we got too close and he chopped uh, my finger off. <laughs> finger. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and this is how, and I remember it dangling by a bit of, and oh, then, then my father cut it and buried it, you see. Well, oh, jeez. Well, whereas nowadays you'd put it in ice and, and yeah. get it reattached. I remember we, uh, I was five, we walked up to the cable car, got the cable car down to the need, then took the electric tram along, and then we walked to the hospital. And I, and I was there for about a week. And but it was so, you know, rudimental and so primitive, really. Were cars around then in 1922? Mm-hmm. Were, were, there, were there motor vehicles? There were two uh, uh, people with cars in our street, and they were both plumbers. Right. Nobody had a car. 
And too we expensive. Used to, we, used to, we used to play cricket on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no cars ever came through. Yeah, and um, it was, so you'd remember you would have been you probably you would have been a grown man when television came along. Oh well, television came along in about uh, late nineteen fifties. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, was that exciting? Black and white. Oh yeah, too yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, um, that's when I lived in Mount Albert. Right. Any other big things like that that you remember that, that was just like super exciting? I don't, I don't know, like cell phones or the internet. Oh no, I've just accepted it. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Just roll with it. Yeah, because I, I, I reached out to you and um, you, you text me back on your phone. And, oh, yeah, yeah I've, I've always been keen on that sort of stuff. Mm. You're 99 years old, you're turning 100. When's your 100th birthday in August? Mm. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Oh, I'm, a, no, I'm not feeling much about it. I'll just, you know, wait till I get there. <laughs> what do you put your good health and um, old age down to? I, I don't know. Oh. Uh, my... my uh, Grand, two grandfathers died at uh, 57. Oh, did they? Yeah. Huh. But there is uh, longevity on my, mother, right, my, right. on my mother's side. Yeah. My father died uh, from uh, uh, cancer of the esophagus. Was he, he a smoker or? Yeah, he didn't. He smoked, we worked out how many million cigarettes he smoked. Uh, he oh, was, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's never going to be too good for the esophagus, is it? No. So and you're still in remarkably good shape. I I read an article about you that said that uh, so we're in we're in your third floor apartment at the retirement village. Um, up until ninety, like you you were walking and running up the three flights oh, of I stairs. Used, but I don't I don't uh, I don't run up now. You take the lift now, or, or do you still walk? You still walk? Uh, I, I'm walking about four k a day. Is that so? Yeah, but not not in one like it'd be in bits and pieces. No. Right. Yeah, you, you, yeah. I mean, you've got all your marbles, don't you? you like you phys- physically. You're... I've never been that keen on marbles, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's one game we used to play at school. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I mean, like your your memory is superb, and your ability to like recall details is superb. I mean, it's just remarkable. I, yeah. Oh well, we, uh, I think playing bridge is uh, quite helpful for that sort of thing. And uh, you know, I sort of invented my own system at bridge, and we play that. Are you much of a drinker? Uh, I haven't had any alcohol since about 1987, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I was never a drinker. Right, I, right. I've had the odd beer and that sort of thing, yeah. but uh, no, I was I never a drinker. I was never uh, drank with the boys. Right. <laughs> so um, not much of a drinker, never smoked, kept yes, physically. Yeah, I gave it up. Oh, did you? Yeah. When, when, did, you, when, did, you, when did you start and finish? Was that a war thing? Uh, I gave it up when I was nine. Right. What do you mean you gave it up when you were nine? Well, that's, I haven't smoked since then. <laughs> when did you start? Oh, we used to smoke a few wood beans oh, right. behind the church. And that sort of <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no, none of my family have smoked. Right. So, yeah. so um, phys- physical fitness and basically just yeah, you're just doing all the good stuff. You, you well, eat, I've eat always uh, been fairly active. Yeah, yeah. but I'm, I never. Uh, uh, I was never into big mileage, like, you know, uh, my runners were ran big, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, except when I, I used to go around the, uh, uh, you know, after the boys used to go around the White Axe, uh, 22 miles. Yeah, Well, yeah. then uh, uh, an even bigger group used to go from our place around the White Axe, and, and I used to run with them uh, the 22 miles. Mm. And uh, at that stage, and of course I was a full-time principal, and... Uh, Going when I ran around the White Actually, that was uh, half my mileage for the week. You know, I only ran about 40, 40, 50 miles a week when I was a runner. You know, 
I'm, I'm sitting in front of you. Like you're 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 99, 99 years old. Mm-hmm. You're still in remarkable shape. There's still so much to live for. You got a wonderful relationship. Are you are you are you at peace with? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's part of life, isn't it? Mm, it is. Yeah, yeah. Hundred percent, it is. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I, I'm not that superstitious or anything like that. Are you, are you religious? No. 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 I was brought up in the Methodist Church. Yeah. But I've got my own thoughts. Yeah. Where, how, how, how much longer do you think you've got? Because sitting in front of you, I could see you living to another 10 years. Oh, that would be stretching it a bit. Do you think so? Uh, but I remember, uh, I think it was about a year or two ago, I, uh, I was working on my... Um, iPhone, and uh, and I worked out how long I had to have to putting in all the you know variables, and it was oh the health stats and things yeah yeah and it was three years, and that was about two years ago. <laughs> how do they how do they how do they work that out though? They, they don't know, do they? No, they don't know. It's an algorithm. No, I mean there's all sorts of variables. It's just a bit of fun, really. Are you um are you the the oldest person in the village here? Yeah. And um, are you excited about the telegram from the Queen? No. No? <laughs> what are you going to do for oh, the Because I know that she's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. She's not signing them individually, is she? No, probably what, can't. Yeah, what's, uh, what is the plan for the birthday in August? No plan at present. Yeah. How, how old are your kids? Uh, let's see. Sue's 65 next month, and Martin's about 60. He'll be uh, 62 very soon, and Rocky's about uh, 55. Yeah, I know your son Martin. He, he taught me TM, Transcendental Meditation, about That's 10 right. years ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was stoked to meet him. I was like, oh, because when, uh, when I heard my um, TM instructor's last name was Jelly, I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a connection between him and the great Arch. <laughs> yeah, he's your son. Yeah, you're great kids, eh? Well, it's been a hell of a life. You've done so much. Any regrets? Not really. No, no, no. no. Oh, I mean, there's plenty of things you could have done better and that sort of thing, but I mean, you know, that's done and dusted now. Yeah. It's been a life well spent. Mm. I I still look forward to improving my bridge system a bit. (laughs) 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 Arch Jelly, you're a remarkable man, and thank you um, on behalf of New Zealand for everything you've done for athletics in this country. Um, You should be very proud. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.